Hello and welcome to the podcast edition of Scripps 5 Must Know Things. This edition for the Business Week ended 24th October 2020. This is Ian Haydock. On the menu this time are generic impact on one firm's sales outlook, a major legal settlement in the US, a potential European product approval, corporate performance in India, and mixed results at two big pharma groups. Biogen has lowered revenue guidance for the year by $600 million and foreshadowed the possibility of cost cuts in 2021 as its blockbuster multiple sclerosis drug, Tecfidera, which is dimethyl fumarate, faces multi-source generic competition for the first time. In August, Mylan launched the first generic version of Tecfidera, Biogen's top-selling drug, and the loss is already having an impact on Biogen's top line. Tecfidera generated $953 million in the third quarter, a decline of 15% over the prior year. Jessica Merrill writes that the company is hoping to transition patients to a newer drug, Vumerity, which is deroximel fumarate, but that this is not getting much traction and generated only $15 million in the third quarter. Sales of Biogen's other big seller, Spinraza, which is Nusinusin, for spinal muscular atrophy also declined 10% to $495 million, challenged by COVID-19 and competition. Biogen's total revenues declined by around 7% to $3.38 billion. Biogen's one potentially big near-term commercial opportunity is aducanumab for Alzheimer's disease, which is pending both US and European approval. But investors are anxiously awaiting the outcome of an FDA advisory committee meeting on 6th November. Either way, aducanumab will have a big impact on Biogen in 2021. CEO Michel Vanatsos suggested during the earnings call that Biogen may consider a cost-cutting programme next year, but that the size of this will depend on whether the drug is approved. Purdue Pharma's $8.3 billion settlement with the US Department of Justice bolsters its efforts to emerge from bankruptcy as a new entity, free of the liability from its opioid marketing, Brenda Sandberg reports. The company has agreed to plead guilty to three felony counts, pay a criminal fine of $3.54 billion plus $2 billion in criminal forfeiture, and pay a civil settlement of $2.8 billion to resolve the DOJ's criminal and civil investigations of its marketing of OxyContin and other opioid products. Separately, the Sackler family, the owners of Purdue, agreed to pay $225 million in damages to resolve its civil liability. In announcing the settlement on 21st October, Deputy Attorney General Jeffrey Rosen noted it's contingent on Purdue dissolving and the Sacklers relinquishing all ownership and control of the company. With assets transferred to a new public benefit company owned by a trust, this would donate or provide steep discounts for medicines to treat opioid addiction and reverse overdoses. The DOJ said that based on the value being conferred to state and local governments, it's willing to credit up to $1.775 billion against the $2 billion total forfeiture amount. Chairman Steve Miller said that Purdue deeply regrets and takes responsibility for the misconduct detailed by the Department of Justice in the agreed statement of facts. Novartis could gain EU approval for its novel cholesterol-lowering treatment Inclisiron by the end of this year, following a nod from a key regulatory committee, which will be known as LECVIO. 
Incuserum is a potential first-in-class SI RNA treatment for adults with hypercholesterolemia or mixed dyslipidemia, which analysts estimate could achieve peak sales of between $2 and $4 billion. Andrew McConaughey notes that Novartis acquired the rights to the asset when it bought the medicines company for $9.7 billion in November 2019 and needs the drug to be a success to recoup this outlay. The company's long-term goal is to prove its value in treating a broad population of patients, including those with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and heterozygous familial hypercholesterolemia. The Swiss company believes Inclisiron could outperform similar PCKS9 inhibitors such as Sanofi and Regeneron's Praluent and Amgen's Repatha. While these have been commercially disappointing, they have gained great attraction since proving their impact in post-marketing cardiovascular outcome studies. Novartis will bring its drug to market without such a study, but hopes the fact that it's dosed only twice a year will make it a popular choice with patients and physicians. As some pandemic-led challenges begin to recede, Indian companies' pharma sales for the fiscal second quarter to 30th September are set to show an improvement over the first quarter. Viba Ravi writes that data from the All India Chemists and Druggists Organisation and Analyst Reports reveal that Q2 gains were spread unevenly. As Indian firms begin to report their performance, Glenmark and Cipla are set to emerge as winners on the back of COVID-19 therapeutics, as well as new launches. Quarter-on-quarter growth in the US, selling general and administrative cost savings, and a selective revival in domestic branded formulation sales are all expected to result in sequential growth for most companies in the coverage universe, brokerage firm Nirmal Bang Equities said. While Pfizer India, Jubilant Life Sciences and Biocon, apart from Glenmark and Cipla, are expected to show double-digit growth quarter-on-quarter, Zydus Cadillas gains in the domestic market are expected to be offset by a fall in US revenues, it noted. Lupin is seen posting nearly 7% growth. Dr. Reddy's Laboratories is expected to report higher domestic revenues as the business acquired from Wachart starts reflecting in its numbers. Active pharmaceutical ingredient sales, which rose prominently in the fiscal first quarter as global formulators scrambled to find alternate sources to China, might not show as impressive growth in the September quarter as in the first, though Jubilant Life Sciences is expected to lead on this front. Finally, external contributor Andy Smith writes in his regular column that while there were differences between the results of Johnson & Johnson and Roche, the former company demonstrated how easily pandemic-related events divert investors' attention, while the latter demonstrated the persistence of biosimilar competition. He says J&J's results were as good as could be expected, with its coronavirus vaccine programme stealing the show. Third quarter revenue of $21.1 billion easily beat analysts' consensus estimates and the 2% increase in total quarterly revenues over the same period in 2019 was a welcome positive sign. Pharma sales rose by 5% over the same quarter of 2019 and by 6% between the ends of the second and third quarters of 2020, although biosimilar and generic competition to former blockbusters Remicade and Zytiga resulted in those revenues falling by 19% and 20% respectively over the same quarter of 2019. Meanwhile, Roche's group sales fell by 6% over the same quarter of 2019, but rebounded by 4% between the ends of the second and third quarters.
Roche's diagnostics division was its pandemic growth driver, with revenues up by around 11% over the same quarter of 2019 as a result of increased coronavirus testing. But farmer revenues fell by 10% over the same quarter of 2019. That's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. Be sure to sign up, sign in and set up to receive all this and much more digital content from Scripps Global Team. And also, if you have an interest in the worldwide farmer policy and regulatory sphere, be sure to find out more about our companion publication, The Pink Sheet, a link to which appears on the top right of the Scripps site. Bye for now.